Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. Hello, everyone. We have our Miranda Priestley moment this week, Nicola. This is Liz. I'm Liz. Which one did you choose? Which one did I choose? (laughs) Well, yesterday I was out on a dog walk and I got this frantic text from Nicholas saying the F word several times and a little picture of what I thought was a pregnancy test. It was a COVID test. No. (laughs) And it showed a little C in the window. She was going, oh, no, I've got COVID, I've got COVID. And then it turned out. So I was thinking, oh, God, what am I going to do with all the horses and do the podcast on my own? I'll have to do a song. And then... I got a text from her saying, no, I I sent a screenshot to Tina and she said, that means it's negative. I want to point out that we, we said we were, the... never, we were never going to talk about this again. We're, no, we haven't had the morale. So I replied to Nick when she said she, her COVID test was negative. Great. We can do the podcast as normal tomorrow. Yes, you did. And then I thought, oh dear. So I sent her another one saying, and also it's good you're not dead. <laughs> as an afterthought. As an afterthought. <laughs> Now, next week, everyone, is Christmas, but it is also on the 23rd, which is when we're going to record it, our 100th podcast. Yay! That's definitely like... And you know, also December 23rd, it's my poor dead mum's birthday, and she would have been 100. So it was meant to be. A hundredth podcast on my mum's 100th birthday. But we've lasted for 100 podcasts... Yeah, my mum hasn't, but we have. We have, we have. We've, we're victorious. So thank you, everyone that listens. We do appreciate it. Now, I have three ideas. There's a little film that we're going to do before we record the podcast as normal. So you can listen to it as normal, but you can watch the little film on Twitter and probably somewhere else like Instagram. And we have three options, and what we're going to have is a vote on Twitter and see which is the most popular so that I can plan ahead and get the costumes. And do you want to know what the three options are? Yeah, I'm a bit nervous what what you've conjured up. One is that we dress up as Beyonce and leotards and do get a ring on it video. Put a ring on it video. Uh, 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 I don't even uh, have a leotard. I've got a swimming costume. I'm going to get one of them dawn... If people vote for that, I'm going to get one of them dawn French-like things with a tutu or something. So we're going to do Beyonce, put a ring on it. No. Or I sing Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas. What do you mean, you? What do I do? Well, you could be the back, one of the back... You could be three of the backing singers. Yeah, but there's two of us. Now, two of us, one of us is a better singer. And it ain't you. <laughs> <laughs> it's not you. Or we could eavesdrop and join in on Meghan and Harry's Christmas Day. With Boris the Beagle. With Boris the Beagle as Guy. I'm Meghan, obviously, and Nick is Harry. I get to be the bloke again. 
you are a little bit ginger. So hang on a minute. So I get to wear a sodding leotard or be the bloke. Or, or, be, or be your backing singer. <laughs> this isn't working well for me. So everyone, you have to vote. And whichever one gets the, the most votes, and I'm not going to allow Nicola to count, we will do that. Yes, I shall look forward to that, people. I look, really look forward to that. Now, last week, from my column in New Magazine, I told you about Jenny, who lives in Snowdonia, and she is only able to move her eyes and we're trying to raise money. So, Nick, update us on the donations in, it's been about five, six days. Yeah, well, literally over the weekend that your column was published and and the podcast went out, it went up by over £20,000. Absolutely amazing. amazing. Like your listeners and readers are amazing. The total now stands at £104,695 as of this morning. Jenny needs to raise 750000 so we've still got a long way to go. So we're, we're sort of still carrying on the appeal, aren't we? Her lovely mum, Anne, who looks after her, she said on Sunday, she sent me a WhatsApp message, she, she said, I can't speak today, I've been teary all day at the generosity of the readers of You Magazine. She was teary all day. I was teary all day. Yeah. Well, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money to raise. And particularly for people who are struggling and they're buying Christmas presents for their children and food. To give money to Jenny, and I just want to say a big thank you on her behalf, and I'm sure Jenny was in tears as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you know she's a poet... Yes, and she's got a book for sale, hasn't she? Yes, on her website. Yeah, and and on Amazon as well, and audiobook, so you can find it sort of everywhere. So I'm going to read a poem that she's written, and it's called Spring. Winter is all around, but in this glade there is no ice or snow. Warm sunlight bathes us. My hands are filled with soft white petals that I shower over you like confetti. They brush your cheeks as they fall, melting into your skin, coming to settle gently upon the grief, loss and panic. It makes the heavy feel light for a little while. Here it is safe to sing of the hope of outdoor hair. What if the seasons are stopped for good this time and spring never comes? We were never promised it would. Our bodies are covered in the welts and bruises from the kicks and punches of that unmade promise, the one we wish existed the guarantee of a certain spring. We are the winter people, yet our hearts are made of snowdrops. That's beautiful. She's so talented, isn't she? so talented. And and what's her book called? I don't know. I think it's it's the winter people, isn't it? It is the winter people, Yeah. yeah. And you can get that on Amazon, Jenny's website, you can get it on Audible... If you support the book, then that the funds raised go towards her operation as well. So that would make a great Christmas stocking filler. So how's your week been, Nat? Well. <laughs> Apart well, from getting a negative pregnancy test. Look, we said we'd never speak again. And we did not agree to talk about no, it No, we never. I said I'm going to speak about it every week. Nicola's misread COVID test. No, but I thought C was for COVID, not for control. I should have read the instructions, shouldn't I? <laughs> Right, I have had a lovely week in some ways, apart from feeling like death and and having a fake COVID test. Ashley Banjo got naked again. But not completely naked. Well, it was enough to give me a little thrill. (laughs) Strictly the real full Monty. Did you see it? No, I don't like it. 
there's something some, stupid. There's actually something wrong with you. There's you're not normal. Ashley got naked. Duncan from Blue got naked. Teddy from Love Island got naked. Oh my God, Teddy! Who's Teddy? Teddy from Love Island. Which one was he? Teddy is the the black guy with the very tall, beautiful. Was body. he with the difficult woman? Difficult woman, and he is gorgeous and he's nice and I want him in my Christmas stocking I really do in fact I want to be in a sandwich with Ashley Banjo Duncan and and, and Teddy but I don't understand why you have to get naked to promote cancer breast cancer awareness or no it's fantastic well Ashley actually said that every year he does it he thinks it's going to be the last one and he said he said that he didn't think he should be getting his old boy out again no, Ashley, please, get your old boy out many, many Is that times. What he calls it? <laughs> but they don't actually do that. Well, they do. They do. No, they they film out. I watched it. I watched it. But you don't see it. I not only watched it once, I watched it many times. You don't see it. I think you do if, if you're in the audience. You yeah, do but we're not, are we? No, I know, but I'll tell you what, if they were local to me... Oh, I bet you had a little sock on it. I don't think it'd be a little sock. It's I'll like when impression. I went to see the... Fifty Shades film, the last one, I think. And you didn't even... You, you got, like, a two seconds of Jamie Dornan's penis. And you saw that stupid woman, Dakota, whatever her name is. You saw her... I counted the number of times you saw her nipples. It was about 557 times. And you got one second of Jamie, and I think I missed it because I was looking at my popcorn. It's not fair, is it? But... But, <laughs> but, 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 you stop with the but. Brenda Edwards is a woman after my own heart, though. Who because is she? Brenda Edwards is on Loose Swimming. She's a singer. Um, she's on stage. And I love her because she was, the boys were doing their strip for the girls, like in the practice session. And she sat there and she said, I feel like a dirty old woman, but I don't care. I need my <laughs> fan. And it was exactly what I was thinking as well because there was I leering, like literally salivating. And if I could have put it on slow motion, I would have. Do you think it's wrong for women to openly leer over men? Because when they do it to us, we don't like it. Well, you probably do, but most women do No, don't. I don't mind it. Um, <laughs> no, I think, I, do you know, honestly, it's nature. Men and women, you know, or, or people are meant to be attracted to each other. And I don't think there's anything no, wrong with that. No, but it's now, you know, they're going to make it illegal to wolf whistle in the street That's and ridiculous. stuff. But you're doing it to, to Ashley Watts' name. But I don't mind being wolf. I'd be grateful if someone wolf whistled me. I'd, I'd actually walk past again in gratitude to make sure it wasn't a fluke. No, I think it's rubbish. And, and it's also, it's not in a, in a stalking, awful way. It's Do you think a, we're just redressing the balance a little bit? Yeah, I th- well, I, th- I just think it's okay. I've got no problem with it. You know, they're really attractive guys. I thoroughly enjoy watching them take their clothes off. I don't see what's wrong with that. I just don't. Well, uh, shall I tell you the big news? Da, da, da. There's a new man in my life. Go on. And we love this one. And that's the heading on my column this Sunday in which there's a new man in my life with an exclamation mark, even though exclamation marks are common. And his name is Teddy. We have a Teddy. He's a Teddy. a Teddy. We have a Teddy. But not the lovely Ted from Love Island that I want to be in a sandwich with. No. So my column says, I have a hot date this weekend. I bought food, a little outfit. Mm-hmm. What I haven't done is waxed, plucked, tanned, jogged, threaded or dyed because my new man is... Da, da, da. 
A border collie! Yay! Yay! Oh, 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 oh. Another one wanting a poo. <laughs> now, this one's very well behaved. So, during lockdown, I'd been in touch with a lovely woman called Steph, who runs a small animal rescue charity. Um, she's not far away, she's in Durham. So, I'd offered her horse rugs, Nick for a week, um, fly masks. You didn't tell me that one. <laughs> And she sent me a photo of a male collie, very young, about three, imprisoned in a kill shelter in Romania. A concrete pen, just dry kibble thrown at them. They have to find no, you know, no shelter. And it's, you know, Romanian winters are really, 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 really freezing. Awful. That's where I got Hilda from. Awful. They try and get the old dogs out, don't they, over to England before the temperatures drop. And in this video she sent me during lockdown, quite a long time ago, actually, about a year ago, and I just saw this collie and he reminded me of my first collie, Sam. But he was very scared, cowering, beautiful eyes, lovely black face. And then I, wait, I waited for what seemed like a year and I thought, oh, it's never going to happen. You know, there was all these difficulties of passports and queues at Euroton and all this sort of thing. And then on Thursday, I got a text. <gasps> got a text! He's on his way! And there was a picture of him in the cage on the, on the dog bath. He had filthy paws and what looked like an eye infection. So I've been hurrying around like an expectant mum. I bought a name tag, collar, lead and harness, although I've no idea how big he is. Because my Missy, my latest rescue, is as small as a cat. And not one of my three collie girls is easy. No. Minnie gets jealous if I even say the name of another dog. She's like my ex-boyfriend in that respect. Gracie is now incontinent. A bit like me. So she has to sleep on a nappy pad at night, which she chews. There's all bits of white stuff around in the morning. Missy, the tiny little collie, doesn't like wheelbarrows, the hose pipe, me running a bath, rain, thunder, the log fire. If any of these things happen, we get the tail between the legs. We do. She doesn't really like anything much. When we go on a walk, she will just stop, stare, dig in her paws and refuse to go any further. When I finally give it... Gracie! Come on, Gracie, come up here. Come with us. Come on. Teddy doesn't bark, No, Teddy's laying there as good as gold. When I finally give in and turn for home, she hairs off like a rabbit. All she wants to do is be in her basket. I don't really want another dog, but I couldn't bear to imagine Teddy stuck in a pen in Romania in the snow over Christmas. I'm now waiting for the text to say he has landed, a furry refugee. I can't help but think of the people who drowned in the English Channel, the children, the pregnant woman. No one was waiting for them with a box full of toys and human food from Waitrose. <laughs> I want him to open his eyes on Christmas Day and know that he is loved. It's now Sunday. I got a text. They are through the Channel Tunnel. Steph sends me a list of who's on board with ETAs. There are 21 names, 21 little lives on board. So Steph's rescued 21 dogs and brought them over. No, she only had two on that bus. Okay. There were 21 names. Scrappy, Maggie, Monica. So many little lives about to be transformed. And there is my collie near the bottom, due to arrive on Monday at 10.50am. He was in the wagon... For four days. Oh, my God. But worth it. Worth it to what he's going to come home to. I wonder what he's thinking in the van. Am I going to meet my mummy? <laughs> it's now Monday afternoon. 
I'm a bag of nerves. It's like waiting for a date, you know. But better. But better. Yes. A van pulls up. It says transport animali on the side. Oh, dear God. A young man gets out. He hands me the doggy passport and takes my slip lead to put it on. He emerges carrying the most enormous collie I have ever seen. Teddy is being carried as he's too frightened to walk. Placed on the ground, he just crouches. He's carried inside. Minnie bears her teeth. Jealous. I give him a bowl of water and he laps greedily. I wonder how I'm going to get him into the garden. I've never met a more nervous dog. He doesn't even know his name. He doesn't know that he is safe. Oh, and Nick is going to post on Twitter yep. a picture of him being taken off the van and some photos. And yep. also we're going to post the address for Steph because she's having to rescue so many dogs at the moment and it's coming up to Christmas and it's winter. So if anyone can also help Steph, if they've got any money left over from helping Jenny, that would be fantastic. Yeah, that would be amazing because Steph works so hard and she cares so much, doesn't she? And she's just this one woman trying to do her best. So any support to Steph would be incredible. You can read this week's diary in full on Mail on Sunday's You magazine. So do you want to hear about the archive? Well, if we have to move away from Teddy, yes. Yeah, we'll have Teddy again next week. We'll have Teddy again. You've got Teddy part two next week. Okay, all right then. On our 100th podcast. (gasps) So exciting. I'm really excited. So I think most people assume that I only care about animals. But we've done a fundraiser for Jenny. Yep. And I'm going to take us back in my archive when I was a lot younger to December 2009. Quite a lot younger. I think that was the year of the photo that you sent to Russell, the film star, saying this was taken yesterday. (laughs) After I doctored it. And you remember this story, Nick? I do. I was sent by the Daily Mail to Bristol on Christmas Day to a homeless person's hostel to help. I do remember that. We were living in Somerset at the time, wasn't we? And it was snowing and icy and I made you push my BMW in the up, days I used to have money. Up a hill. I want to point that out. She wanted me to push it up Well, it was automatic, hill. you see, and they don't cope very well in the snow. No, I know, as I was pushing. And they're very heavy to push up a hill. So I drove to a hostel called Caring at Christmas in St Paul's, a very deprived part of Bristol. That's where they had sort of lots of riots and stuff in 1980. And it... It was still, in 2009, pretty pretty run down. It looked like no one had bothered to, to clean up. Um, and it's funny, this story sort of... I started as one person and I ended the story as a different person. So, for example, I got to St Paul's in Bristol and I locked my BMW very carefully because I didn't want anyone to steal it. I was nervous because whenever I've been in the proximity of a homeless person before, I've rushed past. They scare me. They always seem to shout something embarrassing. I hate dirt. I've got no patience with people who can't help themselves, who remain ignorant despite a free education, libraries, the internet. And a very cheerful man called Kit showed me round, and the shelter stays open 24 hours a day until the new year. And by day, he's a cameraman, and by night, he supervises 400 volunteers who turn up 
400 volunteers and there are... That's incredible. 150 homeless people get a festive meal, entertainment, showers, medical care and a warm bed. And I was quite touched, really, by the corridors were lined with food that had been given by supermarkets and local people. Absolutely incredible. And not rubbish food, like luxury biscuits. Yeah. Quality Street. Yeah. You know, biscuits with chocolate on. Yeah, I don't honestly think you should give anybody anything that you wouldn't eat yourself just because they're homeless or they're in a food bank. Don't give rubbish that you won't eat yourself. Get get them something nice. That's the least they deserve is to eat something nice. And then I meet a lovely woman called Claire and she tells me the reason she does the job, so which she's not paid for, is for people like 20-year-old Sam, who's one of their regulars, He's a real artful dodger. He steals, but he's so bright, he's so funny. His mother gave him drugs when he was five years old. That's shocking. And I found that everyone I met, there was an explanation for the reason they were homeless. And it's funny because I did this story before I lost my house. And I never, ever, ever, ever thought it would happen to me because I'm so careful, aren't I, Nick? You are. I never waste anything. I, I own one pair of socks. With a hole in. No, you're very sensible and you're very thrifty. Claire then tells me about another young regular of 17 years old called Jess. She was sexually abused by her father, ran away from home and has been beaten up by her boyfriend. See? It can happen to anyone. Awful. And then I heard that the owner of a very posh local hotel in Bristol had offered the keys to homeless people eight rooms free of charge. That's fantastic. See, there are some nice people yeah. in the world. And that's what we need more of. Be, you know, companies empty and businesses. Empty hotel rooms, fill them up. Exactly. If you've got Not an just house. when there's COVID. Exactly, exactly. One of the supervisors, Rose, says, remember, so she's talking to me, remember Liz, Liz. Liz, you're Liz. That if you do laundry for the guests, those who come here are never called homeless or victims, they're always guests. Yeah. Do you remember I went to Somalia to a refugee, biggest refugee camp in the world, and they didn't call them guests or victims or anything. They called them POCs, which is people of concern. Right. So they're the POCs. Yeah. So if you do laundry for the guests, I was assigned to do some laundry. Shake the clothes first in case of needles, and all the loos and private spaces at the hostel have blue lights, so they couldn't. No one is able to find a vein because you can't see it. Oh, that's clever. That's well designed. She said, if you're put on the door, and I, I don't want to go on the door. She said, if you're put on the door, remember to collect any bottles of alcohol, label them, and lock them in a cupboard. Don't drink them. <laughs> If you are nervous about talking to anyone, offer them a cup of tea or a sandwich. And remember, enjoy. I felt like I'd just been briefed for the Battle of Britain. I go into the kitchen to help first. I keep looking to see where my handbag is. Do you remember when I had to to cover the Olympics 2012 in, in London? And I had to go and meet the Marines who fight from the sea. I do remember that because I was very jealous. I wanted to go and meet the Marines. So I was taken on a little speedboat out to this huge warship in the middle of the Thames and on board were 400 Marines. And then the photographer who was with me wanted to take my photo with the Marines. So I'm with 400 Marines on a warship in the middle of the Thames. And I said... Will my handbag be okay? Oh, for God's sake. I'm obsessed with my handbag. To be fair, they could have cut the speedboat loose. I'd have gone with the Marines. Stop coming home. Lovely boys. I stand at the door to the lounge, which by 5pm is filling up fast with people of all shapes and sizes. 
A young woman comes to get a cup of coffee. She's distraught. It turns out she'd just been to see her children on Christmas Day, who have been taken away from her. And she didn't even have the money to buy them a card. I failed them, is all she can say. A respectable-looking man comes to get a cup of tea. He says he's not been homeless for long. Wendy tells me later it's so sad to see how quickly people disintegrate on the street. At first, they're smart and clean. As time goes on, they become more and more dishevelled. The man tells me he lost his job, started drinking and having rows with his wife. She turfed him out and he's lost everything. Everyone is excited that this evening a beautiful 24-year-old acoustic singer called Sophie will be performing Beatles songs for the guests. We also have a hairdresser in the house, completely his volunteer giving his time. It could almost be Daniel Galvin in Mayfair, so thick and fast come requests for a booking. I meet Val, a nurse from St John's Ambulance. She tells me that the most common ailment of the night is trench foot. What's that? Do you mean the First World War? Yeah. Their feet were so wet in the trenches they would rot. Oh, God. Have you ever read Captain Corelli's Mandolin? No. It's the most amazing book. And that is about the Second World War and how um, the war in Greece and Turkey and the terrible, terrible, terrible state of, of the people. They didn't have uniforms, they didn't have shoes, they had trench foot. So can you believe that in Bristol, in a first world country, the most common ailment that night That's shocking. was trench foot? That's sh- absolutely disgusting that our country is in that situation when people, some people have so much. But this is so prophetic, this piece, because this was in 2009, I had loads of money, I had a BMW, I had 50 acres... How can this happen, I said to Kit. Look how prophetic this is. He replies, we are all just five steps away from being on the street. Yeah. Yeah. And it's true. It is true. It is true. You never know how how your life will change and what will happen. And then I meet David. Not my David, a David. He's tall, dressed in jeans and a hoodie with long dark hair, very startling blue eyes. I ask him where he lives. He starts to describe a garden square in Bristol. Oh, that sounds nice, I tell him. No, in the square, he says, on a park bench. Yeah. You live on a park bench? Yes. In this weather? The cold isn't so bad, it's the rain that gets you down. David never knew his parents. He was adopted by a couple who should never have been allowed to have a child and ran away from home aged 16. He's 40 and has lived on the street ever since. Can't he get a job? I have tried, but they don't take into account you might be soaked to the skin or exhausted. Do you get depressed? Of course I do, but I tried to keep a lid on it. Can't the government get you a bedsit, I said. I don't want a bedsit. I want what you have. I had to sort of take into account at that point that living in the cold every day makes you cantankerous, dislikable, tougher than I will ever be. He tells me he went to Cornwall in the summer. I went because it's a few degrees warmer. I walked there. Only took a few weeks. Oh, my God. It's just inconceivable to us, isn't it, to, to, to have that difficult life and we complain about our lives. I say to him, it must be hard, unable to ever have a girlfriend or children. I will never have that, he says. Who would want this? And he points at his rotting teeth. 
Does he worry about the future? I don't have a future. What I dream about is having a piece of land, looking after it, learning some skills. I ask him the hardest thing about being homeless. People are very rude to me, he says. He picks up his tiny rucksack, the only thing he owns in the world, and I ask if he has a mobile number, and he looks at me as if I've just asked where he parked his Porsche. My eyes swivel to check the location of my handbag. He sees me do this, and I feel ashamed. At the end of the night, I walk back to my car, to my warm, cosy life, and decide I'm going back to that square to find David, and I'm going to try to help him. My idea at the time was to give him some sort of job on my yeah. farm that I had, but unfortunately I lost my farm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find it shocking when... I've seen people be rude to people on the streets, and and I've called them out on it, because you ne- you never know who these people are, what they've been through, why they're there. It's it's just, you can't judge. You It's not up to you to no. judge anything because it could be you. Every single person I spoke to that Christmas day, there was a reason yeah. that they were there. No, awful. They and were abused, they were running away from domestic violence, they had mental health problems. And the fact that it's now 2021 and we still have a huge homeless issue is disgusting. Well, you support, don't you, Nick, dogs on the streets? Dogs on the streets are Um, amazing. And we talked about them before, but they're having a bit of a problem at the moment because they've got vans and they go into central London and they give medicine to people and coffee and they help their dogs and they provide them with blankets. And each time they go into central London, they're charged not only the congestion charge, but the ultra-low emission zone charge. So every time they go into London to help someone, it costs them 50 quid. They should be exempt. They should be exempt. They do amazing work. They don't only help the dogs. They do a fantastic veterinary service for the dogs. But they also help people. And but why should they pay 25 quid to go into shocking. London? It's shocking. Yeah. So Dogs on the Street is yet another charity that we would love you to support if you've got money left over from Jenny. And who else was it? Steph. Steph. Yeah. You know, obviously people choose, don't Even they? Even if you haven't got heart. any money, you can find Steph or Dogs on the Streets on Twitter and just retweet Retweet them. Dog Missing or Dog Needs a Home. It just spread the word. You can also do that. Yeah, it doesn't have to cost money. And I had a a woman write to me saying she was in her 50s and she'd just started a journalism degree and could I give her any advice? And she thinks it's all nepotism and who you know and she doesn't know anyone. And I said to her, listen... I, did, I don't know anyone in journalism. They all no. hate me. My mum and dad weren't in journalism. No. I didn't know a soul. You don't have to know people. And actually, you make yourself better because yeah. you don't. You didn't have a leg up from someone. Yeah. So it's not all about nepotism because I didn't know anyone. And I didn't go to Oxbridge. But I said to her, OK, you're doing the degree and that's fine. But have a passion about something. Yeah. No one can stop you writing. Start a blog. And I said to her, here's an idea for you. Because I've seen these websites and these tweets and descriptions of the pets. They're not great because these people who run the homes are not very good at it. And they're too busy and they're doing other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you volunteer with all your local charities and say, I'm training to be a journalist. I'll write the dog description. I'll write the copy on your website. I'll write your tweets, yeah. I will use my skills to help you for it's nothing. So idea. she says she's going to do that. That's a really good idea. And I do think if you've got a skill, if you're a website designer, offer to do a charities website, yeah. you know, whatever your skill is, 
you can donate a bit of that time. Yeah, they are always needing things like a washing machine mended yeah. for all the blankets. They need yeah. people to knit blankets. They need people to build a door or Service a pen. Their or, cars. Do you know what's, a yeah. car, a van. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. There's always something So if you're you a writer do. and you want to be a journalist, write about what your passion is. Yeah. Don't just become an anonymous reporter. Where what do you care about? And go and write yeah. about it. No one can stop you doing that. No, absolutely, absolutely. Every week, lots of you get in touch, telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. you'd like to get in touch then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. How are the readers with this week? Shall I do a little bit of singing? No, God no, no. Sex in the City. Stop, stop. Sex in the City, yes. I gave it a rave review. In the Daily Mail, it said the heading was, thank God I've got my friends back. Well, you've got your readers that thoroughly agree with you. Jackie says... I know, I was quite counterintuitive because I gave it a rave. I was sobbing so much at the end of the first episode, my throat closed up. And... All the press and the, the literati and the chattering classes, oh, this is, this is too woke, this is rubbish, Who, oh, this is too girly, it's too gossipy. No, 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 no. It's so easy to slag something off. But you love it, And let's you? celebrate it. We've got our friends back. And, and Jackie feels the same. She says, dear Liz, I completely agree with you. It's so fantastic to have the girls back. The shocking plot twist. No one saw that coming. No. I just can't wait to see the rest of the series and thank you for your fabulous review. We've also got Leslie, the lovely Leslie Jeffries. Minnie wants to No, no, Minnie, hold it. Dear Liz and Nick, and just like that, the wait is over and sex and the city delivered. I wish my wardrobe looked like Carrie's, my friends as amusing and interesting. You've got us, Leslie. We all wish for a normal Christmas. Truth is, Liz and Nick, life is an adventure. Not knowing around what is around the corner makes it exciting and the reason we all look forward to the next episode. You never know what life has in store. I had a WhatsApp from my friend Sue and she said, OMFG, <laughs> just finished episode one. Don't care what anyone says in the papers. To me, it's everything and more. Episode two incoming. All the feels, she oh, said. All the feels. All the feels. <laughs> I only knew about Phil's when we watched Love Island. I've known about Phil's for a long time. Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday, but for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.